0: Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets, sports, and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. This episode, titled Minicamp Mania, is going to talk about all the stuff going on with the Jets minicamp that's taking place right now. Today the 15th, tomorrow, and then meetings on Thursday the 17th. After that, it's going to be a long hiatus until the Jets are back at the end of July for the start of training camp, July 27th. So this is basically it for good Jets news. we got to take what we can get while we can get it. Also, everybody's there for the first time. we got the whole team showing up. They're playing. They're getting it going. We're starting to see some training camp battles People are starting to earn favor with the coaches. They got eyes on it. Media's there. All the good stuff. But this episode's going to talk about that and what we're going to look for tomorrow, Thursday. And then I think we're probably going to do a little bit of a break from the show until July at some point where I'll do training camp battles before training camp begins. And other than that, I went on vacation. I'm enjoying summer, living my best life right now, not worried about sports. The Knicks are out. The Rangers are gone. Jets aren't playing. They're going to be taking vacation, so... You know, we all should too. It can be very taxing being a New York sports fan. So, you know, enjoy the few months that you have when none of it's going on. But then, right back at it for training camps. All sorts of good stuff coming. Before I begin this episode, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Anywhere podcasts are fine. Super appreciated if you do. It can be found anywhere podcasts are found under the podcast title, Gang Green Nation Podcast. Series title, This is the Jet Life. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. Where with my vacation and all this stuff going on right now and the lack of Jets news, I am as absent as ever. But I can assure you when stuff is going on, I will be back, of course. But mini camps are going on, a three-day mandatory mini camp. We gotta talk all about it. So starting with just what's going on. We've had OTA's organized team activities going on this season. We had some rookie stuff, and we had some team activity before that, but it wasn't mandatory mandatory, it was all voluntary, even though a ton of jets showed up, it was almost completely full anyway. But now is the start of a three-day period that is, it's still in shorts, no pads or anything like that yet. But it's mandatory and people have to be there. So we have the entire team. Everybody showed up. It's three days, today, tomorrow, which are both practice days, and then Thursday, which is a meeting day for the Jets. That's what Robert Sala said he's going to do. Completely fine. But we get press conferences. We get player interviews and stuff like that. All sorts of good content coming out from the Jets. This is the last team organized activity until July 27th. So it's all we really have to hold us over. And, uh... That's why we're doing this podcast, and that's why we're talking about it. This minicamp series, this three-day event that the Jets are hosting, is completely open to the media. We're going to have tons of content coming out about it. We've already seen a bunch from today. All the players there, like I said, it is mandatory, so you get fined. If you don't show up, any player that was potentially not going to be there, Marcus May, Jameson Crowder, anything like that, they are all there. All is good. It is worth noting that in the Seahawks world, Jamal Adams, we traded him last year for two first-round picks. He's actually not showing up for Seahawks mandatory minicamp. Unfortunately, he's not currently happy with his contract to Seahawks, and he's refusing to come and play right now. They're saying it's personal reasons. They're not going to find him, but we all know Jamal Adams wants another contract. We didn't want to give it to him. They're going to have to pony up because we already got their draft picks, and he played one season for them, didn't even play all the games, and every single time you look over there, it looks like a better and better trade for Joe Douglas and the Jets. So they mentioned it's not great activity it's very similar to what we've seen in the OTAs before especially since we had so many players there but there is truly every player now so all the competition and battles are going on you got full coverage from the media and everything so you got more eyes and it's just a little bit more intense even though Robert Salas says this is just continuation of the same practices we've had it's a little bit more exciting nothing crazy exciting still not in pads or anything everybody's just seven and seven 11 on 11 half speed drills and whatnot but it's a good chance to see some of these players play. So I'm going to go through, position by position, notes from each group, what we're looking at, what we've seen so far through OTAs or what's to come, and there's something for every single group, so that's what we're going to do. i got a what's on tap, father time, and that's it, really. It's going to be a quick, brief episode, but get us up to speed with everything that's going on with the New York Jets right now. Starting with the quarterback position. As we know, the New York Jets drafted second overall and took quarterback Zach Wilson out of BYU. Probably wondering, how the heck is this guy doing so far? It's really important that he's good. We gave up Sam Darnold. We got a second overall pick. We watched the Jets suck for a long time, basically set up for the moments where you can draft a quarterback that's going to be good to save your entire franchise. And we're hoping this guy's it. Everything we've heard so far about Zach Wilson has been absolutely glowing. The media loves him. The players that we've heard talk about him, they love him. He's showing up in practice. And is it super important right now, playing in shorts and a T-shirt, No, it's not. But you know what? It's way better to look good than not look good. It does not mean that he's going to be an awesome, great franchise quarterback because he's showing up right now. But it means that he's not Christian Hackenberg. I don't know if you remember Christian Hackenberg. They said in training camps and stuff, it looked like he couldn't hit water in an ocean. He was that bad. And some players just don't stand out. But Zach Wilson does. It's a great start to his career. Players love him. Coaches love him. Media loves him. We'll see if it continues, but it's a great start for him. It's as good as news as you could hear, really. For many things that he's progressing well and doing well, awesome. I think when you look at it, what we invested in Zach Wilson with the draft pick and how well he's doing so far, even if it's just a little bit amount of time, I think it's all lining up for him to be the starting quarterback week one. But the other reason is that we still have an issue at quarterback, and that being the backup quarterback. Currently under contract, we have two guys, Mike White and Captain James Morgan. Neither guy has ever played in an NFL game. They've hardly even played preseason snaps. These guys are extremely wet behind the ears. They are not ready to get on the field. They're hardly even ready to play preseason snaps, honestly. So the question is, are the Jets going to go in with a rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, with no safety net behind him and nobody to really teach him or coach him along? Or are they going to bring in a backup quarterback? Now, I thought backup quarterback was one of the more important needs for the Jets. Didn't want to draft one, but wanted to attack that position in free agency where there was a plethora of players that could at least be serviceable as backups. Now, the Jets did not go after that early. And since then, most of the backup quarterback options that we were looking at have been gone, taken. And most recently, Nick Mullins, former San Francisco 49er, worked with all these guys, just got signed by the Eagles. So he was a guy that we were looking at as possibly the guy that was going to come in and be the backup. Probably not going to happen now. The only players that you're really looking at are the quarterbacks on the Bears, because the Bears currently have Justin Fields and two backups of Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. So if you can pry one of them away, it's very possible that you can have Foles or Dalton be the backup. Now, the Bears would much rather have Dalton there, and I think we'd much rather have Dalton as well. You've got a good, friendly team contract. Doesn't make a lot of money under contract for a couple of years. And he's probably a better quarterback than Nick Foles overall. He doesn't have the Super Bowl, but he has a better body of work season by season. Now, for that reason, it's going to be harder to get Andy Dalton, and it'll cost more. So the Jets will probably go for Nick Foles, who's due more money and probably is a cut candidate for the team, it doesn't really need another quarterback and doesn't want to pay him money. So the Jets can look at getting that. But that's one option. You're talking about one team, one guy. Other than that, you've got like RG3, maybe a Matt Barkley or something like that. But there's not a lot of spice available at that backup quarterback position. We're not going to get one of those, you know, one of those nice, safe backups in case Zach Wilson struggles. If We could get Nick Foles. I wouldn't want to give up too much, but it would be nice to have a player. He would be the best option that we could have as a backup quarterback just because the amount of experience that he has. He's been a backup before, knows how to do it for a young quarterback and everything. We actually saw Carson Wentz excel with Nick Foles as the quarterback backup. But, you know, again, it's going to cost something perhaps. Maybe they can split the deal and the Bears take some of the money that's guaranteed. The Jets take a little bit less. We'll see. We'll watch that. But I think right now we're doing over this three-day period is just getting a chance to see not only Zach Wilson, but James Morgan and Mike White playing quarterback. And after this, when we've got that 40-plus day hiatus between now and training camps, Jets are going to have plenty of time to reassess, look at the landscape, and say, how did Morgan look? How's he coming along? How did Mike White look? How's he coming along? And is this a need, an emergency right now, or something that like, hey, you know what, we could go with these two guys, we feel somewhat comfortable. It's kind of a very important little mini-camp stretch of days for those two guys who want to prove that they can be the backup quarterback, be the answer. So that's what we have going on for the quarterback position. Now, before we move on to running back, wide receiver, and all the rest of the offense and defense and all that, we have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right, folks. This is what's on tap. Coming to you earlier than usual, been switching father time with what's on tap. But today, what's on tap takes the driver's seat. Father time comes later in the episode because it is all in regard to the defense. So We're going to push that back, move what's on tap up. That's okay. We're always drinking, always ready to talk beers. And today's something pretty special. Branch and Blade Brewing Companies. Electric Love. Orange, banana, pineapple, popsicle-style sour ale. What? It sounds crazy. It is crazy. It's delicious, and I love it. This is brewed out of Keene, New Hampshire, and I got this because roommate Kyle went to Keene State University. He's an owl, and he went up there for a wedding for some of his old college friends, came back with some delicious beers from Branch and Blade Brewing Company, got me and fiance Shannon some, some tasty little treats, and he knows that I've been drinking those sour ales, those crazy fruit blends. This one is remarkable. I was drinking that Transcend stuff a couple weeks ago. Some of those smoothie-style ales. I think this one's better. I've never had a popsicle-style sour ale until now, but it is less thick and creamy than the smoothie-style ales. I think it's a little bit more refreshing for a summer day, which is when I like to drink these sours, these fruity blends. It actually fits the bill kind of perfectly. Orange, banana, pineapple. I'm not a sweet beer drinker, usually, But these things are just so delicious. Mm. You only want to drink like one of them. It's only 5% alcohol, so it's not going to do anything crazy to you. But it's one 16-ounce can. Really fun looking. It's got a little fiesta party going on of pineapples and oranges and bananas. As the name suggests, this Electric Love. Delicious. It is an awesome summer beer. And he got me another couple beers from that same brewery. I imagine they're going to be awesome too because this is really good. It is really good, so I got to put it back, back in the koozie it goes, back in safe for the rest of the drinking. Mm. Still cold, still delicious. That is today's what's on tap. Thank you, roommate Kyle. And now, before we move on to the next offensive positions, we do have to take a quick commercial break. All righty, welcome back to this is the Jet Life. Quick, we're going to talk running back position. There's actually not much going on there, probably the least noteworthy group. I think if I was going to rank the group that we've got right now, my top four guys, number one would be Michael Carter, number two would be Ty Johnson, three, Tevin Coleman, and then between LaMichael Pirine and Josh Adams, I think it's a toss-up. I am not big on LaMichael Pirine. I'm not huge on Josh Adams either, but he's proven. Lamichael Pirine's got a little bit more potential and upside because he hasn't played as much, so you think like maybe he's got it. We saw some great receiving from him with Florida Gators when he was in college. You hope that that could transition into the NFL. It hasn't so far, so you know a little low on him. This is all subject to change, but the Jets are going to be running a committee, which is going to be a combination of all of these guys. The high hand's going to get it. No one's going to get overworked, overtired. They're going to get a bunch of different splits. Guys are going to be able to play to their strengths. Do what they do best. A lot of these guys can receive, um, especially between Ty Johnson, Coleman, and Michael Carter. But I'm excited for Michael Carter. I think it's going to be awesome. It just, you know, it remains to be seen who stands out. Training camps, preseason. And then when the season comes on, it's going to be one of those things, kind of like you see in New England. Just because a guy has a killer game does not mean that he's going to play every single week now. Oh, you're on the spot now that he's a starter. It's like, no, he could have a great game and then go back to the bench. And another guy comes in. Another guy comes in. And that's kind of what we're going to see. So nobody's going to lose their job. You just have to make the team in this offense because if you're on the team as a running back and you're suiting up, you will be getting carries at some point. Just be ready to answer the call. So the running back position, not a ton going on there, but we will keep monitoring it just to see who gets more reps than other guys. The wide receiver position, that one's interesting. This is probably the deepest and best wide receiver class the Jets have had in a very long time. I'm super excited about what we have. And this week... Jameson Crowder, who's a guy that we were thinking potentially would be either cut or traded or moved, he actually took a pay cut, restructured about half of his salary. He was due $10 million. I don't have the exact details on what he's getting paid now, but it definitely will be a little bit more team-friendly. Now the question is, now that he's making less, are they just going to spend the money that they save? Are they going to try to roll that over for next season? Or, now that Jameson Crowder's not making $10 million, is he a more suitable trade candidate? teams are going to be more willing to trade for a guy making half the amount of money moving forward. And if the Jets have Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole, Braxton Barris, a bunch of guys that can play in the slot, is it possible that Crowder gets moved and this was all just part of the plan to get him somewhere else? It is possible. I hope that's not the case because I want to have as many good receivers as possible just because every year as Jets fans we see guys go down, receivers get injured, and we end up playing a bunch of practice squad and undrafted free agent guys that it's like, oh my gosh, where's the depth? And finally right now, feels like we've got good depth. We could put out five, six good receivers that you'd feel comfortable with. And even if a couple guys go down or get injured, you're still not completely screwed. So I want to keep Jamison Crowder, but happy he restructured. One way or another, it will help this team. Now, what's kind of ironic about the whole thing is those three guys I just mentioned that play slot, Elijah Moore, Braxton Barrios, and Keelan Cole, those three guys are all shining so far through OTAs. They're absolutely dominating. Elijah Moore, since the minute he got here, He has done nothing but impress. He's got nothing but glowing recommendations. He's been awesome in training camp. He's been Zach Wilson's favorite target. He's absolutely showing up. He can play inside, outside. This is one of those guys that he's going to be able to do it all. He's gritty, grindy, strong, good working player, and, I mean, he's fitting really, really well so far. Keelan Cole, a guy that's in here on a one-year deal, not making much money, he's showing up. And Braxton Barrios has been a favorite target of Zach Wilson as well. So these are all players that can play in the slot. They all potentially could be moved around the field as well if needed, except for probably Braxton Berrios. Um, Keelan Cole can go inside-outside. Elijah Moore, they're saying, could potentially go outside. So we'll see how it all kind of falls together. I think punt returning is going to be a big deal in if one of these guys, Braxton Berrios or Jameson Crowder, potentially gets moved. Um, but when it comes down to it, the Jets have some really good receivers playing right now. And the other two guys, Corey Davis, he hasn't played much so far because he's had some shoulder issues. But today, first day of minicamps, he's back on the field. He played in 7-on-7s. Seven He played 11-on-11s, and he made a couple nice grabs. So good to see Corey Davis out there for the first time. Denzel Mims, the guy that I'm super high on for being drafted last year in the second round, he's not impressing so far. He's had some drops. He's not playing extremely well. He's not shining or standing out to the coaches, and he's been relegated to the second team behind guys like Keelan Cole, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis now that he's back. So Mims struggling early. I think right now one of the biggest issues with Mims, other than the drops that he's had, is that he's not a great blocker, especially not when compared to Corey Davis, with whom he's going to be competing for snap shares. So we'll see if Denzel Mims can work on that. I think it's extremely important that he gets better at blocking and keeps to progress. But, of course, the guy's on his second year, you know, drafted last season, so he's still making very little amount of money, and he's going to be under contract for a long time. So the Jets do not need to rush him along. They've got some other guys that can play there. He will be getting opportunities at some point, And if he can show up and the scheme can work around him, He could still be a really good jet. I think that he's one of those guys I see factoring in a little bit more in the red zone area because he's a great, tall target. He's just not great with yards after catch. He's not super tough with the ball in his hands. He's a little dainty, a little fragile-looking when he has it. But we'll see how it all works out. I still love Mims. Looking forward to him. And then no other real dark horse candidates, at wide receiver. I think big play Vincent Smith has showed up a little bit. But other than that, pretty quiet in the wide receiver room. Looking at tight ends, in early... OTAs. Chris Herndon had a, a really nice practice or two and kind of stood out and it was good to see because he's been kind of up and down and quiet starting last season and you know maybe progressed a little bit after being in the doghouse right the whole season. But now he's on second team. Tyler Croft has been moved to first team at least for today's minicamp. And again Tyler Croft is a better blocker. Chris Herndon's a good blocker. We know that he's a good blocker. He's a good receiver but he doesn't do anything consistently. Tyler Croft is consistently a good blocking tight end and he's getting first team reps because of it. And then another guy, a dark horse candidate at tight end that I like. I'm rooting for Kenny Yaboa, another guy from Miss State. And he had a drop today, but he had a couple nice catches as well. And I'm rooting to see him on the team. Maybe Ryan Griffin, Daniel Brown, maybe a side move on from those guys. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Then going over to the O-line. The O-line, Makai Beckton, the big guy from last year. We love him. He's dealing with plantar fasciitis in his foot. Hopefully nothing too serious, but he's right now not practicing with the team. They say he's going to be ready for the start of training camp. Robert Sala today actually said he expects every single player on the team to be ready for training camp, which is great to hear. We'll see if it comes true. Pretty quiet otherwise in that offensive line room. Chuma is also not currently practicing. He's a little bit banged up himself, but he should be ready for training camp. They said everybody else is. And that is what's going on on the offensive side of the ball so far in minicamps. camps. Now before we move to the defensive side of the ball, no better time than talk... Father time because my dad had a defensive father time submission today. Texted to me, busy day for him, but I said this is going to be a brief episode. So just give me something quick, some thoughts that you've got. And here is my dad's father time for this week. Here we go. Today I see natural Dean as our will safety three hybrid. I see Pinnock with his length as corner two, pulling ahead of Blashawn Austin and I see Kyle Phillips making the team after his injury last year being our run-stopping defensive end, along with our new sign, Ronald Blair. With Sheldon Rankins and Jonathan Marshall new on the inside, John Franklin Myers can move back to end and stop playing out of position at defensive tackle. And look out, it will look different. Our pass rush will not be exotic, like the days of Rex Ryan, Todd Bowles, or Greg Williams with those crazy blitzes, but a strong and fast front four rush. In this defense, if the front works, the defense works. So far, so good. Go Jets. End scene. So a very brief submission from my dad, but very nice, very well written here. He talks about all sorts of guys. Pinnock, I think that's very exciting. He's talking about him being a guy. Blashawn Austin moving on. I think that I like Blashawn Austin, but not necessarily as a number two cornerback. Now, we have to see if we have a guy on this roster that can play number two cornerback We have to go out and get one. We like Bryce Hall playing, but we need another starter. And If Pinnock can do it with his length, like my dad said, that'd be awesome. Dean, Will Safety 3 Hybrid, I like it. Versatile, big guy, but athletic. Really, really promising start to his college career. Tapered off with injury. If he comes back and plays well, that would be a very, very nice player. I haven't talked about Ronald Blair yet, but he's a new signing for the defensive line the Jets made. We'll get to him shortly. But he has him making the team along with Kyle Phillips, who didn't play last year. Good player, moving John Franklin Myers back in. All good. All stuff that can make this defensive line work, that makes the whole defense work, as he said. Only problem is, my dad is... Right now, talking to him, he's got about 73-plus players making the active roster. He likes everybody every single time. He's like, this guy, he's going to make the team. I'm like, well, if he makes the team, then somebody else I'm like, no, no, that guy's going to make the team too. And it's funny, I think I look a little bit more pessimistically in terms of like 53 guys. It's really hard to split that into position groups because you really have to start to limit it. you got to cut some good players. And the Jets have drafted so many young guys over the last couple of years. And they're going to be drafting more and bringing in one-year deals and, and these flyer players and young guys. It's hard to say who's going to make it and who's not, but a lot of players that we've heard of, known, seen, or watched get drafted or picked up by the Jets won't end up making it because there's just so many guys. It's not a lot of just flyer players, undrafted guys, that are just being brought in like, ah, camp bodies. We don't have a lot of camp bodies. Most of the guys that we have in there are competing for something, and somebody's going to have to get cut. So I'm not sure if John Franklin Myers and Kyle Phillips and Jonathan Marshall and all these players are going to end up making the roster. I think a lot of them will, but... Some are going to have to go. That was a good father time. I appreciate it, Dad. Thank you for getting us set up for the defense. And now it is time to talk defense, starting again with the defensive line. Quinnen Williams is recovering from a broken bone in his foot. He had foot surgery. Recovering from that, supposed to be ready for training camp. The Jets signed this guy my dad mentioned, defensive end Ronald Blair. He's 28 years old. He was in San Francisco, a San Francisco guy that had some pretty good, you know, He's splitting time in the defensive line. He was never really a starter. He started two games in his career, I think. 13 and a half sacks in four seasons. But his best season was five and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss, four quarterback hits. And that was in 2018. This guy's a good run stopper. And Robert Sala absolutely loves him. His quote If you like winning, you like Ronald Blair. If you don't like winning, you probably don't like Ronald Blair. This guy can do no wrong by me. He loves him. I think for that reason, it's very likely that Ronald Blair ends up making the team just because the coaches love him so much and they ended up going out to get him. But, uh, you know, he's another guy to add to that defensive line. I've said it before. They don't want the de- the defensive line to be a strength. They want it to be dominant. And they're working towards that. They have so many guys. I don't know who's going to make it, who's going to get cut, but guys like Nathan Shepard, Jabari Zaniga, Kyle Phillips, and Bryce Huff, you start looking at those names and you're like, a lot of them aren't going to end up making this team because we have so many players there. Unless they want to carry, you know, 10, 11 guys which, in all honesty, would be pretty difficult to do. Other than that, Sheldon Rankin is a little banged up. Again, everybody's supposed to be ready for training camp, so not that big of a deal, but that's what we got going on on the defensive line, a stacked room of a lot of players, like 15 guys all ready to go. Linebacker, some of the best news I've heard so far, C.J. Mosley looks to be back in shape, playing as good as ever. This is a huge deal for a couple reasons. Number one, C.J. Mosley should be, or was supposed to be one of the best players in this entire team, played like it for a little bit, and then got injured. We haven't seen him in a long time. Held out last year with the COVID stuff. And now he's back, and it's like, okay, he's two years older. We haven't seen him in a long time. Is he going to be the same guy? The biggest issue with this whole thing is he's getting paid so much money this year and next year. He's basically got to be on the team. So if he's going to be on the team, we need him to have output. He's getting paid more than anybody else. We need CJ Mosley to be good. And hearing that he's coming back in great form, playing as good as ever, that is exactly what you want to hear. Early on, I was thinking to myself, I don't know if we can count C.J. Mosley to be a starting linebacker for the entire season. But now hearing this, I think maybe it's possible that he's back on track, back healthy, ready to go, and if he is, it is going to change the defense because he is that guy in the middle that can do everything, and I love him. Blake Cashman, he is still injured. Dean as my dad mentioned, is the early front runner for added linebacker reps. And the Jets waived Sheriff Finch. So that's what's going on in the linebacker room. Looking at the cornerbacks, we talked about them a little bit from the father time before. Bryce Hall and Blachon Austin should be the early front runners for starting outside. We don't know if the Jets are going to be going after a veteran guy, but I think right now, with all these young players, Eccles, Pinnock, Michael Carter two, you know, the linebacker defensive back hybrids they've got, having guys like Lamar Jackson, Javelin Guidry so many young players in this team right now, especially at the cornerback position and defensive backfield. I think what they want to do is just give these guys reps right now in minicamp, today, tomorrow and then see them in meetings on Thursday, and then just like that backup quarterback position, reassess where they're at. And if they don't like what they've seen from these guys, and as a group it's like, ooh, we don't really have five quality cornerbacks here, I think they're going to go out and get a veteran guy. But these players really have to show up and impress the team now because if they do that, somebody's going to have to get cut. You can't just have 15 cornerbacks on your roster. We've currently got a lot of DBs. We drafted a bunch of cornerbacks and picked up some other guys and had some drafted from last year. So somewhere along the way, every guy you bring in, you got to take somebody else off. And I think what they want to do is work with the players that they have, but if somebody's not showing up, you do have to replace them with somebody that can play because you can't just have bad cornerbacks. Even though this defense is lined up to kind of hide the flaws of cornerback game, you know, make them do a zone and then pass it off to a safety, it's a little bit easier than what we were running. It's not going to be a ton of man coverage islands, but I think that this is the opportunity for those guys, Jason Pinnock, Brandon Ackles, Michael Carter too, Javelin Guidry, Lamar Jackson, Blashawn Austin to step up and prove that they could be the guy because we need five, six good cornerbacks. You already have Justin Hardy who's going to make it. there as a special teamer. He's already basically guaranteed the money to do that role. So there's only so many spots. And if they bring in a veteran because these guys can't do it, that means one more guy is going to get cut. And I wouldn't put it past Joe Douglas to cut a guy that he drafted this year or put him on the practice squad and risk losing him because... They have this many draft picks, and you can't keep them all. you got to start thinking rationally and think about, like, you know, who really is the best player on this team. We thought they were good in college, but now that we've seen them here in the system, what does Robert Sala, what does Jeff Ulberts think? Who's going to stick? So very interesting there. A veteran ad is possible. It will be reassessed after this minicamp period. Then the Jets have a pretty interesting battle going on at nickel cornerback, slot cornerback, because last year Brian Poole was the starter. He is still an unrestricted free agent, not on the team. The guy that was his backup when he got injured last year, Javelin Guidry, actually played pretty well. But so far through training camp, Michael Carter, too. A guy that's been drafted has been playing some in that position, potentially getting some first-team reps. And then Elijah Campbell, another guy that's young on the Jets roster, has been getting some reps at starting nickel cornerback as well. So I don't think it's Javelin Guidry's right now. I think that it's open to see who can step up and take that. And it could be Michael Carter, too. I think it would be nice to see him. But these guys, again... There's only so many that you can keep. You can't have three slot cornerbacks. You can have one or two, and if you can play on special teams, it makes your the decision a little bit easier. It's easier to hold on to extra guys, but these players are going to have to step up. We've seen Javelin Guidry be a good gunner, but can he continue to hold down the slot, or is he going to lose that to somebody else? But I think that's one of the more interesting position battles. Not necessarily a bunch of flashy names or guys that you absolutely love, but a position that is absolutely up for grabs. And The last position we got to talk about is safety because a lot going on in that group. Marcus May was taken with a franchise tag. one-year deal worth a little over $10 million. Now, he has until July 15th to sign an extension. Otherwise, he plays under that one-year franchise tag for the entire season. Then when the season's over, they can revisit if they want to sign him. He will be an unrestricted free agent at that point, and they can figure out whether or not they can work out a deal. But they basically have one month to extend him. I think they want to extend him. I think they've been in some contract negotiations but again, it has to make sense for the team financially, and we've got to make sure that it makes sense with the Jets' defensive scheme that they're going to be running this year because it's a little bit different than what they've done in the past. I imagine that Marcus May being as good as he is and as versatile as he is will absolutely fit in this system. We just have to see what Joe Douglas and the team is willing to pay to keep him here. Now the other guy, Ashton Davis, who could potentially be a starter for this team, he is still out rehabbing last year's foot injury. we got to see him get healthy. Otherwise, you're looking at LaMarcus Joyner, who's a good player. But after that, it's a bunch of young guys. J.T. Hassel, you know, potentially playing a guy like Sherrod Neesman, who we just signed, a special team standout, but he's 29 years old, played minimal defense for the Falcons, and is not ready to step up right now. You don't want to be playing guys like Neesman or J.T. Hassel. You want to be playing a combination of Marcus May, Ashton Davis, and LaMarcus Joyner. But to do that, you need to get Ashton Davis healthy, and you got to get this Marcus May stuff taken care of one way or another. I am still, at this point, absolutely rooting for a Marcus May extension. And to me... The jury's out on Ashton Davis. I am not sold that he's the answer, but I definitely think that he has raw ability and if this team can mold him the right way. He could be a good player, but he's not definitely locked in as being our starting safety moving forward. That's all I really have on the safety position. We could talk special teams, but there's not a ton going on. Braden Mann's going to be the punter. Kicker's between Chris Nagar and Sam Ficken, but I don't really care Chase McLaughlin technically could be in the mix, too. But I don't care how you kick in OTAs. I care how you kick in-game. The only game action they're going to get is preseason, so that's where we're going to make the decision, I imagine. I mean, that's the only thing that really matters, right? Kicking in an open field with shorts on is all well and good, but if you can't kick when the game's on the line, then you're not the kicker for us. I'd still love to bring somebody else in, a veteran, but it's just not going to happen. Punt returner, again, that's going to be something that we see in training camp and preseason. Braxton Berrios, Keelan Cole, Elijah Moore, the early front runners. If you're a good punt returner, it gives you a better chance of making the roster. I'm talking to you, Braxton Berrios, but we'll see what they want to do there. They could all make the team regardless. And then that's really it. That's all we got for this mini camp mania. Everything else is going to happen in 40 plus days, July 27th, when the Jets start their official training camp. And then it's a real world when It's training camp. Very shortly after that, the preseason starts. You got a game every week. Then you go right to the regular season, games every single week, an extra game added this year, maybe even some playoffs for the Jets. It's going to fire through all the way through January. So I'm going to take like a month off before I do my next podcast episode. It will be a training camp preview somewhere around maybe July 15th, you know, a month from now, a little bit before the 27th. But you can follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan for updates on that. And if anything happens in the meantime, big transactions, that's the kind of thing that will be going on. If they do sign a backup quarterback or trade for one, If they do pick up a veteran cornerback option, or anybody else for that matter, I'll be tweeting about it, and if it's big enough news, perhaps an emergency podcast episode, but it's my last year being in my 20s, my last year not being married, you know, maybe I just, uh, maybe I take a little time off, and I don't let the Jets worry me too much, I just kind of relax, because you know, the second this stuff starts firing off again, I will not be able to stop thinking about it, this is my one opportunity to just meditate for 30 days and not be frustrated by the team that I care way too much about. We all probably care way too much about, and that's just the jet life. But, yeah, that's all I got for this week's podcast. Thank you for joining me for Mini Camp Mania, and I'll see you back here in about a month to talk training camp New York Jets. Until then, I'm Dan Burnham, and this is the jet life.